Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. You ready for the word this morning? All right, Exodus 13. Exodus 13, we are in part two of this four-week series. Call the series More because God has more for us. There's always more than what you're experiencing today. God has more. But you determine how much you walk in. And you do that by applying the word of God to your life. So when you hear the word of God, you become responsible for that. And so what you apply, you walk in the blessing of. God always honors and supports his word. So we're looking at a couple core values here at Tree of Life that so you and I can learn the principles and apply them and experience the more God has because he has more for us. Now, if you were here last week, we kicked it off and we're talking last week and this week uh, uh, about your finances. And so uh, if you were here last week, I want to say, hey, thanks for coming back. <laughs> you know, when it comes to finances and stuff, people are like, oh, we have to go there today? Uh, but, I, but I would say this, absolutely, because we have so much to learn in the scripture about God's financial plan for our life, because it's better than the world's plan, amen? And listen, God has so much to say. There's over 2,000 scriptures on, on giving and, and tithing and stewarding resources, and that's more than scriptures on eternity, more than scriptures on prayer, more than scriptures on faith, because God knew it would be a challenge. In fact, the scripture says in Matthew 6 that, that the spirit of mammon would challenge the spirit of God. You can't serve two masters, it says, God or mammon. You have to pick between the two. So we knew, he knew, and so he put it in the scripture that we'd be challenged every day of our life to either honor him or give him the responsibility of our finances or follow the world's plan and system and not do that. And so it's important for you to hear the word. Now, as a pastor, it's always a little interesting when I come up with topics that I know are somewhat controversial in a sense because we've learned so much. There's been so much abuse can I say, I understand the pushback sometimes because I know people in my profession have abused it for their own use and their own gain. And that's not what God ever intended. And God will take care of that. What we need to do is see the word and apply it to our life. And so I want to present the word today, but encourage you to go back last week and listen to it as well. I mean, we could do a whole year on that and not exhaust the subject of. But I want to share the scripture. And as I say, I said this, anybody that stands in the pulpit here at Tree of Life or in a position to teach the word, go back and look the word and study it out for yourself. Don't take our word, take his word for it. Because typically, when we make decisions based on uh, topics that, that we're challenged with at times, I don't think it's necessary because we've done the study ourselves. I find out when I talk to people about tithing or Holy Spirit or healing or some of the topics that could be a, a, a little um, challenging for people, it's usually because they've heard somebody say something or it's an experience they've had. But rarely do I find that people have really sat down and spent time studying the scripture on the topic. And that's what I want to do and present to you anytime we get up here. So last week and this week, we're going to talk about finances. The next two weeks, we're getting into the Holy Spirit. And so then a a little interesting, uh, sometimes you don't want to necessarily say what the next week's message is going to be. You're right, because you're, is anybody going to come back? But here's what I know. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God into salvation. Amen. The word is the word and it works and you need to hear the word and you need this pastor to speak the word, to speak the truth in love. Amen. Because you need to be able to follow it for your life and for that of your family. So we're going to talk about that this week. Um, I found it years ago. I found a cartoon I thought was just, it just made me laugh. I think it's kind of the perception a lot of people have when it comes to our finances. And here's a man that's getting water baptized and the pastor tells him, he goes, everything that goes under the water is the Lord's. And so here's the cartoon. (laughs) I saw that years ago and I held on to it ever since. I thought that was so funny. But honestly, we laugh about it, but that's, yeah, you know, everything's God's. And here's what's interesting to me. We trust God with our eternity. 
of my salvation. I mean, you can't talk me of my salvation and we hear stories all the time, even stories over in, in like Iraq of, of children even uh, uh, being confronted with an opportunity to, to denounce uh, Jesus not doing that and being martyred. And, and, and so there's many of us, perhaps all of us would even, you can kill me or whatever that is, I, I'm not gonna renounce Jesus Christ, but we can't trust him with our finances. So we trust him with what's eternal, but we struggle with what's temporary. And, that, and I, I don't understand that sometimes. And, and I was brought up differently and I had the advantage of, of a godly home and parents that taught me how to, to manage my money and tithe. I didn't grow up ever questioning the tithe. And so I try and be sensitive because people grew up other ways. My, my wife comes from the same kind of family. So when we got married, it was never a question. In fact, really, real quick, a funny story. My wife manages the finances because her brain just works better like that and managing that. And so uh, one day I was asking some questions. So she says this, if you think you can do it better, go ahead. And see, well, I'm gonna give you a month and you see how you do. And I said, fine, I'll do it. And at the end of the month, I had all this money left over. And I said, look at all this money I have left over. This is easy. And she said, well, let me take a look and see what you did. And she goes, uh-huh. And I'm like, what? She goes, you didn't tithe the whole month. And I'm like, how did I, how did I do that? This was years ago and stuff. I couldn't believe. Anyways, so a lesson learned there. But uh, you know, that's what we do. We tithe and we've always taught that way. Just I've been taught that way. But can I be more than being taught that way? We see the fruit of it. We see the reason. You're in a church that's been here 35 years that from day one has believed in the tithe. And the people here have been faithful in doing that. So if you're a visitor today, I think it's a great day to come honestly because you get to hear about one of our core values and you can hear about this church. And if you're a, a tree lifer that's here, then you know, again, open up your heart. This is what we believe. And so we believe to be God's word and so we want you to hear it for yourself. And so in Exodus 13, we're gonna start there. And when you look at this passage of scripture, uh, this uh, really helps us understand that God is all about the principle of the first. That's what we're really talking about, the principle of the first. And it's a, it's a principle all throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you see the principle of the first, Old and New Testament. If we put God first in our lives, everything comes in order. Now it doesn't mean you won't have challenges or struggles, but you'll have things in order and it's easier to face struggles of life when you have things in order. If you don't put God first, then things are out of order and it's a lot more difficult to manage life in chaos. But when things are in order, then you have an opportunity for God to move and work on your behalf. So we're talking about first things first, the principle of the first. Let's take a look at the scripture. Exodus 13 says this, verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate. Consecrate means set apart, set aside. This is God speaking, set aside to me all the firstborn, Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and of beast, it is, what's that last word? Capital M. God says it's mine, ownership. God's being very clear here what belongs to him. And actually, can I say this right here? Everything belongs to God, everything. The whole earth, the fullness thereof, who we are, what we do, everything belongs to God. God is asking us, however, to set aside a portion to return back unto him. And we'll talk about why that is, but understand God is all about being first. God is not about being second or anywhere else. He's about being first. And so God says, set it aside. It's mine. It belongs to me. Let's jump down into verse 11 and read a little further, it says this, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of Cana, the promised land, the land of flowing with milk and honey, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. 
But every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem it with a lamb. Hold on to those two animals. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck and all the firstborn of, of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Now understand something. What God's talking about here is consecrating, setting apart a side that's mine, returning it back to me. When it talks about a donkey right here, a donkey represents an unclean animal. A lamb represents a clean animal. So what God is saying, when we talk about that, then we're, re, then we're sacrificing or consecrating, setting apart, returning to God, the clean animal. If the animal's unclean, it needs to be redeemed. It says right there, it needs to be redeemed. To give it to God, it needs to be redeemed or purchased by a clean animal. Now, some of you are already thinking ahead and know where I'm going with this. And so understand that principle of putting God first. The clean animal you give to the Lord, the unclean animal you redeem it with a clean animal. And so we're going to take a look at the tithe in a minute, but this is saying that the first belongs to God. And listen, whether you return it to him or not, it belongs to God. And so when it says, if you have a donkey and you don't redeem it, break its neck. Why does it say that? Because it's not going to do you any good anyways. He's saying you might as well go ahead and break the neck of the donkey if you're not going to redeem it with a clean animal because in your hands, unredeemed, it's not going to do you any good. And we think it's going to do us good, but he says when you redeem something and consecrate it and give it back to me, or you give me the firstborn of that which is clean, then it will bless the rest. And that's why we say here, when we return that portion, that consecrated part, that 10% back unto the Lord, that's high, which we'll talk about in a minute, that he asks us to, that's why we say the 90 blessed and redeemed goes further than the 100 unblessed ever will. Come on, when you give it to God, he does what he says he'll do. He'll bless and redeem it. So you can hang on to the 100, but that 10% is not going to do you any good. That's what it's saying. Are you seeing that right there in Exodus 13? It's right there in the scripture. And so understand that the... The principle is the same whether you operate it in it or not. Us not operating in that principle does not make it not true. If we choose not to believe it because God said it, it's true whether we choose not to believe it or not. So we might as well get on board with God's plan, the faithful God, amen, the awesome, powerful provider God, and do what he says to do and walk in his blessings and let the 90, if you will, go further redeemed and blessed than the 100 without the blessing ever would. And so it's this principle all throughout scripture. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's learn a couple of things. Number one, the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. We just read that. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. It must be sacrificed or redeemed. How do you know what to do? Sacrifice or redeem? Well, we, again, we just read, we talked about that. Those two animals. Those two animals of scripture represent classifications, if you will. Donkey represents, again, unclean animals. A lamb represents a clean animal. So he's saying if your clean animal has a firstborn, you sacrifice it. Again, if your unclean animal has a firstborn, it needs to be redeemed back or purchased back with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Well, what in the world does that have to do with us today? Let me ask you a question. When you and I were born into this world, spiritually speaking, were we born clean or unclean in our spiritual condition before God? We were born unclean. That's why we needed a savior, which is where I'm going. When we were born on the planet, we were born because sin came in in the garden. We were born with a sin nature. We needed a new nature. We needed to be redeemed. We were unclean spiritually. Let me ask you this question then. When Jesus was born on this earth, was he clean or unclean? Clean. Why? Because the Bible says he was the spotless 
lamb. He was a clean animal. That's how he could be the sacrifice for mankind. And that's why God looked down and saw all of us unclean and sent his son, the clean lamb sacrifice to redeem or buy us back because you have to have something given to God to redeem that which is unclean. And so Jesus came so you and I could be redeemed. Amen. That's good news. Amen. It's the same principle. It's the same. It's the principle of the first. That which is unclean needs to be bought back, purchased, or redeemed by that which is clean. And that consecrated part, that first part, goes to God. It redeems the rest. I'm going to hope you get this. This is a powerful principle in life. The Bible also talks about Jesus being the firstborn. He's the firstborn son of God. It talks about him being the first fruits. Talks about that. So Jesus was the clean lamb that redeemed and bought us back. Why is that possible? Because when you return, or you sacrifice that clean to God, it redeems that which is unclean. So understand, when God's talking about a tenth, which literally means 10%, and when, when, I, when, I, when I think about this, why did God pick a tenth or 10%? Well, I don't know, why, well, there's a lot of, well, I do know why he picked a tenth, and that's another message, what 10 represents. But listen, why he picked a percentage is because it's equal for everybody. Because some people say, well, yeah, it's easy for them to tithe. They make a whole bunch more money than me. And God's saying, no, it's all relative. 10% is 10%. Everybody can do it. 10% is 10%. But when you consecrate and set that part and return that back unto God, which is his, the Bible says, it redeems the rest. It purchases it, buys it back. It's a principle all throughout scripture. What the Bible says, this is a principle to God. And we see that with Jesus. God gave Jesus, he's called the firstborn first fruit. He was sacrificed so we could be redeemed. We need to understand this. And we're gonna talk specifically about tithing in just a moment. But understand that Jesus was God's tithe. He was the, the, the firstborn or the first fruit given to redeem the rest. You give the tithe first. Here's what you understand in this. God didn't wait to see if you and I would straighten up or clean up to give his son. God didn't wait to see we got it all in order. When I got it all in order, when I got it everywhere I want and need it to be, when it's all, then, then, then I'll do this. Aren't you glad the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, God gave us firstborn and it redeemed us. So don't think that you have to get everything in order just right or I get this promotion, I get this raise, I get these things paid off, I get this. I'm glad God didn't wait and he gave us firstborn to redeem us and buy us back. And we walk in the blessing of that. He gave his son. Understand, God didn't say wait till you have, God didn't say wait till you have 10 lambs to give me one. And then give me the one you really don't want. The one that's not obeying, getting in trouble all the time. The one that's, you know, got the broken leg or, <laughs> you know, Old Testament, he talks about that we, you were giving, people were giving the blind animals, the three-legged animals to God. That's what God's talking about. And listen, when you give the first, that's a step of faith, right? God wants you to trust him. God wants your faith in him. It's not, you know, wait till you got 10 and give him the last one. If, and in fact, if you were a rancher or a farmer, and you're looking at giving your first, you're, not, you're wondering, am I gonna have more? And God says, if you return it to me, I promise you, you will. And that's the faith. And the Bible also says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him, to depend on him, and not depend on man's system. And you see, again, this principle all throughout scripture. It's faith to give the first. Malachi 3.10, 10 through 11, New King James says this, Bring all the tithes, there's that 10% word, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. When you see storehouse in the scripture, it is in other places, and you'll see this morning, house of the Lord or the house of God, 
that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. The only place God says, test me, prove me, try me with this principle, says the Lord of hosts, Malachi 3.10. If I will not, my response, when you consecrate and return it back to me, my response, you will be, I'll open you the window of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there'll not be room enough to receive it. And which we shout amen to, and that's good news. But wait, here's what I like about God. But wait, there's more. Right? It's like a, God's infomercial. Call right now, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the, the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. How important to God is consecrating that first and returning it back unto him. It redeems the rest and the blessings of the Lord pour into your life. And God is faithful to his word. So the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. Have you ever thought about this? I, and I, I know people do, I have this question all the time. Why did God invent tithing? Why did God invent tithing? Why did he? And can I say this morning, I, I want you to know, a preacher didn't invent tithing. <laughs> I know we think that. A man did not invent tithing. Man abuses it and twists it and turns it. I agree with that. That's why you need to see the word for yourself. But God did not invent tithing. I mean, God did invent tithing. Why did he invent that? Why would God say, bring the first 10% of your income to me? Does he really need it? Think about it for a moment. God did not invent tithing for his sake. He invented tithing for your sake. I know we think this is hard to believe because somehow we get, we get confused and we think tithing is a business transaction with the church. It's not a business transaction with the church. It's a principle of the first. It's a consecrating that portion God asked for and returning it back to him to redeem the rest. It's, our, it's our, our faith to God. It's our obedience to God. It's our trust in God. It's not a business transaction. You're not paying bills or salaries. You're giving it unto the Lord. And God honors that because he wants to be first in your life. He didn't, he didn't invent it for his benefit. He invented it for our benefit. Yours and mine. That's why God created it. It helps you walk in faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. It's not faith to give the last 10%. It's faith to give the first 10%. I give you number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Oh, we celebrate. That's a refrigerator scripture right there. Well, we put 10 on the refrigerator. We pray, God, I want my barns, fill my barns with plenty and overflow my vats with new wine. I thank you, God, for filling my And God says, okay, do number nine then. Right? And number nine says, honor the Lord with your first fruits. I mean, you know, honestly, you don't have to pray for God to fill your barn with plenty and overflow your vats with new wine. All you have to do is set aside the consecrated part that is the Lord's and return it back unto him. And he's obligated to his word. And we can't do 10 without nine. You can have nine and 10, nine and 10 on your refrigerator. Both those. God honors his word. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits. In case you're not getting it, God says, the first of the first fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord, your storehouse of your God, the house of the Lord, your God. Bring the first fruits in. Now, notice it says bring. Understand this. God doesn't use the word give when he's talking about tithing because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. 
Let me say that again. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. So he says, bring. What does he say? Bring a portion of what's mine. He's not, I'm not asking for all of it. He's not asking you for all of it. He's asking you to bring a portion consecrated, set apart to him. It's bring the tithe to the Lord. He always says, bring into the house of the Lord your God. Let me say this also. You don't designate your tithe because the first 10% is his. You bring the 10% into the house of the Lord. I, I, I want to teach you because the truth will set you free. I want you to hear the word of God. So you don't bring the 10% and on your envelope you mark 5% is tithe and you put 3% as missions and 2% as building fund. No, it's 10%. The tithe is the Lord's. And then you give offerings above that. And understand this, if you do what the Bible says to do, you will have money for offerings above that. Because of what God's promises have been to those that do that. Well, I want to give to missions. Absolutely, everybody in here should give to missions. I want to give to that building fund and invest in the next generation. Absolutely, everybody in here should do that. But you don't redesignate or split up your tithe. That's the Lord's. And But if you do that, you want to talk about giving offerings, he'll make sure you have an abundant supply to give to, to, to give uh, to help have service dogs for veterans to give and have a wreath on everyone to give a Thanksgiving box to families in need to help people in India and in Mexico come on to help your neighbor whatever you need. God's gonna make sure he's obligated to his word he always does his part and, and let me go one step further and say this because this this truth needs to come out as well again the same principle that 10% is the Lord's so you don't redesign you don't designate your tithe to, to people on TV or other ministries I mean, you give offerings there. Be, be very generous to them. Appreciate what they do. They do it unto the Lord. But listen, I, I'm, I'm saying that the Bible clearly states, God says, consecrate that 10% unto me, and then he will bless you in abundance where you can give to the TV. I, I love some of those TV preachers. You can give to the ministries on your heart. You can give to those things. God will make sure. But understand what's God's. Understand what's God's. The first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion has the power to bless the rest. Again, that's why the 90 blessed of God will go further than the 100% not blessed. <clears throat> when you bring it to God, the rest is redeemed. You see it all throughout scripture. Let me, let me t- share a story with you out of Genesis 4. Story of Cain and Abel. Interesting story. Let me read it and then explain it. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very, very angry at his countenance. So if we can go back to verse three, let me explain this. What happened here is Abel is raising animals, and the scripture says he brought his firstborn unto the Lord. Cain is growing crops, and he, but he did, the scripture doesn't say he brought his first fruits. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain, when he was ready, when he wanted to, after time had passed, brought what he wanted to bring out of the ground. But when Abel was bringing something, it says, Abel brought his first fruit. Which one was accepted by God? Abel's. So Cain's just like, yeah, when I got time, we'll see what I have. Uh, I got some stuff going on, and if I got some things left over, we'll, check, we'll take a look and see what's going on. It's not working that way. That's not how God set it up. God didn't set it up that way. This story right here is 2,500 years before the law. 
2005, because I know some people say, well, that, that's under the law or that's Old Testament, we live in the New Testament. Can I, can I say this this morning? We're not talking about the law, we're talking about the principle of putting God first. Understand, we're talking about the principle of putting God first. But let me also say this about that argument. When we talk about things like the law, <clears throat> and this was 2,500 years before, it's a principle of putting God first. We see things in the, in the law like thou shalt not commit adultery. It was under the law, but that's still wrong. <laughs> in fact, the Bible says don't lust over a woman in your heart. And, and we hear things like don't kill or steal, the scripture says in the Old Testament. That's under the law, but that's still wrong. And it says it goes farther, not even murder. It says don't even hate your brother. But it says this also, have no other gods before me. And I would say that's still right. God wants to be number one. And it said also honor your father and your mother in the commandments. And can I say that's still right. You're still supposed to honor them. So don't dismiss the principle in God's word. Listen, God wants to be first. He demands to be first. And if he's not first, <laughs> if he's not first in your life, He's still first in the universe. Your order doesn't make him not first. Come on. Your order does not make God not first. He's still first in the universe, whether you choose to acknowledge him or not. He's still first. Understand, I, I just, I want to share the truth of God's word because I want you to walk in the freedom that this provides. Your order doesn't change his order. He's still first. Abel's offering was the first. Cain's was not. Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted. God said, that's not the way I'm asking for it. Number three, last one, the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Why does the tithe have to be first? Well, it's simple, honestly. Because the tithe belongs to God and God is first. If the tithe is his, and we've seen that in scripture already, so much more, we don't have time to go in. If that tithe is God's, God says, I want to be first. God says, I'm first. I don't want to be on your list. I'm at the top of the list. And I say this all the time. It's not that, it, God wants you to have other loves, but no other loves before him. And in fact, if God's not top of your list, I question whether he's on your list at all because he doesn't play second fiddle to anybody or second violin. A little inside joke for a friend. God wants to be first. <clears throat> it's God's property. Leviticus 27.30. And all the tithe of the land, all the tithe, the 10% of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. The tithe is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is set apart. We are to consecrate it. It is the Lord's. It is holy to be set apart. Understand again, he's not asking you to give it all. In fact, he wants you to enjoy what you have. And you'll enjoy it a whole lot more when you follow this principle because the 90 blessed will be much more enjoyable than the 100 not blessed. He wants to set apart the tithe so we can walk in faith. It takes faith to give first to God. He wants you to walk in a relationship where you trust him and he wants to bless you, but you have to set it apart. Can I say this? God's way works. God's way works. But I wanna say this, having said that, I wanna say this, listen to me very carefully. He's not asking us to be legalistic about this. I'm talking about in your heart. God needs to be first in your heart. Most people that, and here's what I hear, here's what I hear a lot. Most people that don't tithe tell me they can't afford to tithe, to which I say you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe because of the principle. 
until you tithe because tithing takes faith and tithing breaks the curse. That's what the Bible says. As for the Duncans, we get paid twice a month and we give primarily online. We do our best to give first unto God. It is always in our heart to do that. But sometimes when you get paid, we don't sit there on the computer that night and do that. Maybe other things come up, but our heart is to do that. I, I, was, I was saying this earlier, you know, my wife pays all the, the bills and things online and it would be funny for me one day after we got paid one night and the next morning to go and get some things from the grocery store and then come back and, and honey, I got some things from the grocery store. What are you doing? You just cursed us. I haven't paid the tithe yet. I understand. God's looking at your heart, all right? He's looking at your heart. So don't be legalistic with it. Be as aware of it as you can, but don't be legalistic. Sometimes things just fall. If you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get to church till the next Sunday or whatever, I mean, by all means, put gas in your car, pay your bill. <laughs> but in your heart, come on. And you know what the Bible says? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The Bible doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. And that's interesting to me because God chose to connect our heart to our treasure. So God says, if you're doing this and following this, I know your heart. God looks at our heart. That's what he looks at. So don't be legalistic about it. He's not legalistic about it, but understand, you need in your heart to know what comes first before all else, and that is God. Exodus 13, 14 through 16. Let me close with this story. Finishing the Exodus 13 passage I'm preaching out of. So shall it be, now we're, we're extending, we've already heard the, the things about the animals and the sacrifices, so shall it be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this that you shall say to him, basically saying, what are you doing? Why are you killing the firstborn of the lambs and why are you doing that and then sacrificing to this and I mean, we're, we're ranching, <laughs> we're trying to run a ranch here and you keep getting rid of all these animals or trying to farm and you're getting rid of all this stuff. What are you doing dad? that you shall say to him by strength. Now listen, by strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both of the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, listen, therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Listen, it shall be a sign, he says, it shall be a sign on your hand as the frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. You know what he's saying? He's like, you know what, son, let me tell you. That's a great question. You know why we're sacrificing the firstborn? You know why we're redeeming and buying back with the first clean animal for the unclean animal? He goes, because there was a time we didn't have anything. I mean, you look around and you see what we have now, son, but understand, one time, at one time, we were in slavery. We were in bondage. We had nothing. We were enslaved to the world system. We were enslaved to harsh taskmasters. Masters. We didn't have anything. But by the strength of the Lord's hand, look what God has provided. By God's hand, we have been blessed. By God's hand, we have been taken care of. By God's hand, he has provided. And he's saying, son, I will sacrifice to the Lord because without him, I have nothing what God has done. I don't know what your story is. We all have a story in here. I know what my story is. I know my story goes back a little bit as far as I know. I remember my dad talking about it. His dad, my granddad, got kicked out of his house in eighth grade. He never went to school beyond eighth grade. His family couldn't afford him. That other kids that were so poor that he had to live on the street till another family member took him in. My granddad worked very, very hard not to let that happen to his family. My dad grew up in in a home with a dad who was a workaholic and an alcoholic. In fact, alcohol took his life at 56, my granddad. 
And I know that my dad had a younger brother who grew up in that same way and alcohol took his life at 58. So my dad went off to Vietnam and in Vietnam he told the Lord, he says, if you bring me home, I will serve you all the days of my life. Two tours. And fortunately he came home and sadly so many didn't. But he came home an alcoholic, drinking, getting in drugs, doing the things to cope. He experienced that over in Vietnam. He came home to cope with all the things that, that our soldiers sadly deal with, the, the, the things after the fact. And but by the hand of God, by the hand of God that saved him one day, that totally broke the addictions off his life, that totally kept him out of bondage to, to, to drugs and alcohol, that totally set his feet on a path. This church he founded so many years later. And so for my family, we will always tithe. We believe it to be true and in God's word, but for my family, but by the strength of God's hand, where would we be without him? Where would we be without God? So if God's asking for me to sacrifice perhaps or give something in faith, obedience, absolutely anything and everything you need and want God, you get. Because but by your hand, where would my family be right now without you and your provision? But by the strong hand of the Lord. God is a faithful God. Your life, your family, the resources you manage are all better in his hands than in your own. No matter what this world does, no matter what comes in this economy, this system with elections or whatever, or stock markets or whatever, no matter, it's all better in God's hands because God's promises are true. His word works, but he has expectations. He wants to be first. The question is, what are you gonna do with that? Because can I just be quite honest? It's true whether you walk in it or not. But the choice is yours. But as for me and my house, because of the strong hand of the Lord, we will follow him. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.